Refactor podcast is dedicated to chatting with tech people or software engineers. We talk about tech, but we also focus on their experiences, career, or side projects. You could get valuable insight into your own career and choices by listening to our guests. It's now, it's on. So today I have the great pleasure to receive Stacy Taylor. Stacy is a front-end engineer at Zapier and she's also a Sacramento enthusiast. I'm reading your Twitter bio actually. And a mom of two. Hello Stacy, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here in my morning and your evening, right? Yeah, because you're you're in based <laughs> in Sacramento, I'm based in Montpellier, France. So yes. first things first, I'm really happy to chat with you because we've been gravitating on Twitter around common interests. Uh, we've eventually connected and decided we'd give it a try. So as a side note for, forgive my English, my native speakers, I'm French. So that said, don't at me, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, Stacey, don't at him or I'll yeah, at you. <laughs> yeah. Stacey, am I right to say uh, your track uh, towards getting into tech isn't really standard? At all. I would say that you are totally right. Um, there are there are some things about it that were kind of normal. Um, and the more like moms in tech I meet, the more normal it seems to be becoming. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, no, I would say it's a little untraditional. So the way how did you start? I, how did all this started? I mean, how did you get into tech? Because you I, have different lots of other experience other than mm -hmm. tech, and one day. Stacy just say it's gonna be my track it's gonna be tech kind of so I went to college for communications as you do when you have no idea what you want to do <laughs> and I like went out into the world and became a, an international teller at a bank just wiring money to South America all day and I was like this isn't as fulfilling as I want my whole life to be So I kind of like put my feelers out to see just what other jobs I could get. And we were relocating from Austin, Texas to California. And I found like a social media job for a small social media agency and did that. And because I was on the ground floor, I really like started taking on a role of somebody who was like building the business up and putting processes into place and helping it scale. Um, and we started building some internal tooling. And so I became the product manager for that and really dove like, headfirst into product management and loved it. I loved that it got to use like all the organizational skills that I had really refined along with like some creative thinking and getting to like build cool products was so fun. And one day I was like, I was working with all male developers. Yeah. And there was like a little power struggle a lot of the time. And there were certain things that I wanted done for our users that seemed so simple to me. And they, and 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 the and the, the male developers they they won't do that. Or they just like struggle with you to kind yeah. of implement this feature or whatever. Totally. I mean, Pierre, it would be something simple like, can we make this list in alphabetical order? <laughs> like and stuff like say, that. And no, like, it's not possible. Yeah, they're like, well, I don't know. It's going to be a lot more difficult than you would think. And granted, in software development. Everything is more difficult than you think it's going to be. But yeah, that's right. if it's coming from the users that they're like, this is something we need to be successful, then you need to like put your ego aside and just filter the list, right? So you decided to kind of like it's uh it was you were in the project on the product side and then you decided mm -hmm. to say, What if I build actually build these products with like mm -hmm. they're building my product? So What about me building my own product, right? That right. I was like, well, if you won't sort the list, then I'm going to go do it. And so yeah. I was like, all right, I need to go like learn how to code because it seems like this should be something easy enough for somebody like me to tackle. So and how so, did you? How and then how did you like you you start uh, you 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 recover a studio or start a bootcamp or anything like that? Well, I told my CEO at the time I was like. I really want to learn how to code so I can like build these things. And he was like, no, like I need you on the product management side because you're good at that. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, no, you don't get to like make my path for me. But because I'm a woman, I didn't actually say any of that. Okay. <laughs> that of was course. just in my head. 
but I like secretly was like so full of vengeance. And I was like, I'm going <laughs> to do it anyway. Like you don't get to tell me what I do. And so I went and enrolled in boot camp secretly. At this time, I had like a toddler and was pregnant with my second child and working this full-time job and going to boot camp and was like, I'm just going to like secretly become a developer. I'll show him. And by the time that I finally told him that like I had done that and what he said to me was really damaging and irritating, he like felt so bad that he was like, we're going to like pay for boot camp, like, so, like really apologetic and I think embarrassed because like he didn't realize that's the impact it would have. Yeah. So back back that time, you you were you, you say you, you were actually a mom or uh, waiting for your second child to come yep. and like working full time and also doing this boot camp. Yeah, it's very impressive. How did you how did you handle all these things at the same time? I mean, it's just like a <sighs> huge amount of motivation and God. fueled by vengeance. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. It was like. It was so much work and looking back, I I honestly don't know how I did it either. And like, I cannot pretend it's easy. And I regularly have reminded myself throughout my history, like never forget how hard it was, never downplay how hard it was because I feel like people get out of that space where they have really young babies and they're grinding really hard. And then they kind of like look at it with rose colored glasses and they're like, oh, if I did it, anybody can do it. But that is not the case. Like I come equipped with so much privilege Um, to be able to do the things that I do. And it was hard for me. So for like other moms out there who are like even more underrepresented than I am, it's like such a huge roadblock to make yeah. career changes or to get into tech that it's yeah. like, it, it's really hard to overcome. And so that's kind of the step that we're trying to help, trying to help knock down some barriers with things like Collab Lab. But yeah, my heart goes gives, out to moms. It gives me that. a good transition about, uh, I know you're involved in the Collab Lab initiative. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yes, could you tell us a bit, a bit more uh, about your program, Collab Lab? What is it all about? I, I sure can. So, um, the founder of Collab Lab is Andrew Hedges. And Andrew Hedges was um, having a beer to meet up with a, a friend who. Henry is a senior engineer at Zapier, right? He is an engineering manager at Zapier. Engineering manager, yeah. Um, sorry, I should be more clear on that. <laughs> He's the best, he's an incredible human. Um, but he was talking to somebody who had just gotten out of boot camp and the person was like, I'm having trouble staying motivated or like continuing learning because I need people to do it with. And he was like, well, I have this project, this like sh smart shopping list app that I could like break up and like have some people work on as a team and started Collab Lab. And so the idea behind it, at least in my perspective, is that like so many of us are coming out of boot camp and self-taught and we know how to code but we don't necessarily know how to collaborate. And so we go out into the world and we're looking for our first developer jobs, but nobody wants to hire us because we don't have experience working on a team, let alone a yeah. remote team. Especially so, remote teams, right. Exactly, which is like so many people don't even have experience with because it's becoming so new and so ramped up right now. But so the idea with Collab Lab is that we don't teach you how to code, but you come and you learn how to collaborate. You learn how to collaborate in a safe, supportive environment so that you can get those experiences that you need to go out into the world and prove that you can do it. Yeah, so we yeah. have like a project, like we take on four developers per team. They have two experienced developer mentors and they work through this project that we've broken down into 16 different issues. And each week they pair program um, with another person on the team to complete one of the issues. And, you know, yeah. it's everything from like, giving them the freedom to explore how they want to solve the problem on their own, just like you would in a regular job. I suppose you work with uh, all the um, uh, standard tools like GitHub, like Slack, yes. Zoom, like doing pull, pull requests, code oh gosh, reviews, yeah. stuff like that, because it totally. involves being able to handle um, code reviews, giving reviews and code reviews. Oh, yeah receiving reviews and especially in remote and distributed teams it's a very important kind of oh both hard skills and soft skills because it it's, yeah. it has a lot to deal with empathy being uh, a lot of interpersonal skills etc mm -hmm. etc et right yeah totally i mean like so many of these people like imagine if you're self-taught like there's a good chance that you've never created a pull request let alone a pull request that of is course. like robust in detail so that your team is informed and so that you're teaching people um, 
And those are things that are like, can really shine. If you can go into a job interview, like, look, I might be an early career developer, but look at these beautiful pull requests I put together. They have, they have things to show to their recruiters, right? Yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's a great initiative. So listeners, uh, if you want to know more about um, the Collab Lab initiative, you go to the-collab-lab-no.codes, sorry, yeah. uh, the-collab-lab.codes. It's great. Yes. And, uh, and you're participating right, right of, uh, fr from time to time. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. you're still working from time to time because... It's a benevolent uh, kind of initiative. You, I mean, mm -hmm. it's doing free for for them, or how? how it, is yes. it? Uh, is it? Um, does it cost anything for developers to enroll to your initiative? No, not at all. So one of the biggest things that we try and do is like remove any barriers that we can to getting underrepresented people into tech. And one of those barriers are these intense prices that these programs money. offer. So money, money, Collab yeah. Lab is completely free, completely volunteer driven. We just got official nonprofit status. Um, so it's totally free. And good news to listeners of this specific podcast. In October, we're going to be running our first European team. <gasps> oh, great. Uh, yes. Cool. Yeah. So we um, are doing like a Europe, Africa team. We're doing a Latin American team that's like all in Spanish. And we'll also be doing our um, teams that we've been doing in like North America too. Yeah, so yeah. we're like expanding. We want to open up, you know, opportunities for people across the world in 2021. We really want to scale it up and see how we can take it and kind of um, dis distribute responsibility so that we can hit. It's really great. It's really great. It's a really great initiative. Thanks, um, Pierre. Yeah. It, 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 it <laughs> makes me think about um, getting back to women in technology because mm -hmm. you, you talk about, you know, underrepresented women, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. Have you ever felt discriminated in any way or was it difficult for you, you know, to climb the ladder as a, being a woman? So, yes and no. And I say no, like very lightly, because obviously it's been hard. It's hard for all women. But again, like I come from such a place of privilege. And one of the things that like the discrimination that I felt has largely been like just like small things that you might not notice, kind of like microaggressions or things yeah. like the CEO telling me, no, you can't go learn how to code because I need you to do product management, things like that. Um, but one thing that I kind of I think I'll always continue to struggle with is feeling confident in like immersing myself in like a pretty male culture. And so like, I am very bubbly and girly and loud and unprofessional. And I want to like continue doing those things so that I'm like helping forge a path and create a safe space for other people who look and act like me and want to like the things that we like. But it can be kind of scary to do that when you're in like, a sea of white men. So yeah, yeah, I know what like, I mean. I want to be able to like continue doing that, but I'll find myself sometimes kind of like stamping myself out a little bit to be like, you know, tone it down, Stace. But like not wearing, like a, not wearing a mask as you go exactly. to a, a, a room yes. full of male because you just yes. like keeps keep being Stacy. I don't know. Totally. I don't think you're very introvert, right? Oh, no. <laughs> not, at definitely all. Not, not at all. Um, But like one of my things with like really being my, like how I feel like I've been able to be successful in doing, being Stacy, being the like bubbly, loud, fun Stacy that I want to be and don't want to hide is advice that I give to a lot of early career developers is that one thing I think that all early career developers should do is learn how to say that they don't know how to confidently say that they don't know. Because if you can walk into a room and be yourself and confidently say you don't know, then there's like so much less shame and there's so much less embarrassment in just being yourself because you're like, you're being transparent. You're telling people you don't know. And I feel like it in turn makes people more yeah. um, empathetic to you and to who you are and how, how you can contribute to whatever team they're a part of. Talking about that, um... We've done a pretty some some episodes of the Refactor uh, podcast about a dozen uh, with French software engineers, women, both women and men, uh, like 50-50 is kind of cool. And um, um, often it appears that I'm talking about the syndrome, uh, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, have you ever felt that kind of syndrome? Uh, I 
I can probably, you know, guess the answer. Uh, it's probably, <laughs> yeah. you know. And uh, how how did you um, get through that? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, learn to live with that. Learn to live with that uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's a really great question. I do. I think, as you know, and as most people know, live with imposter syndrome just like everybody else. But I feel like one thing that has helped me sort of subdue it is having like a support team. So I have like a whole team in my life of people who support me and are, who are there to answer questions. And if I don't want to say that I don't know something, I have people that I can reach out to, to learn more, who can, you know, coach me through it or teach me the things that I need to know. And knowing that I have that support to fall back on is like yeah. really incredible and is empowering and helps me kind of push imposter syndrome to the side that I know oh, I can reach out to You know, yeah, and and, and talking about um, this, uh, it made me um, think about uh, role role models, uh, women, mm -hmm. or maybe mentors, uh, or maybe um, uh, I know there are three type of very important very in into one's career. It's role model, sponsors, and mentors. Do mm -hmm. you did you have any of the, of these? Uh, I mean, did you have women? Uh, with mm -hmm. these roles and uh, or, or not at all. And you just like did your path and just like Stacey's path, you know? And uh, Yeah, that's a great question because like I so desperately want to be like, oh, I have all these female technical role models and I do, but they're predominantly like people that I watch through Twitter or people that, you know, like I've read their books and stuff and they're great role models. And I have a lot of role models when it comes to more catalytic skills, like management skills that are women. But in my experience so far in tech, most of the people that I've had like technical mentorship from have been men and have been, you know, good men who are really supportive and, you know, like aren't sexist and are completely there for like lifting women up through the pipeline. Um, but yeah, they, it's largely the men. You've been very lucky in fact. Oh my gosh. I've been so lucky. I've been so lucky. Honestly, Meeting Andrew Hedges, again, founder of Collab Lab, manager, engineering manager at Zapier, was life-changing for me. To see somebody in his position, like, kicking open the doors for underrepresented people in tech was, like, wildly inspiring and made me feel like I had a place and I had people in my corner fighting for me. Yeah. And then, of course, like, when you are a person like that, all these other amazing people tend to just gravitate towards you. So I, like, I owe him a lot for being who he is and like bringing me into his life so that I could be surrounded by all of these other incredible people. And it's like, if, when you find companies, for example, with good cultures, the good people gravitate to them. And they're really good at like sourcing people who, you know, share similar mindsets and stuff. And I think that landing at Zapier too, and having the support that I have there has been really helpful in me kind of seeing and experiencing how support should be like how 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 people should help people grow and how people should care about other people and want the best for everybody so yeah and it's uh, been incredible to see and it what, what would be in your opinion the the action uh, i mean dapier seems to be a very good company uh talking about like inclusion being supportive for, for women um be, and we're go we go about dapier uh, later on um But uh, what would be the action we should take to make tech more diverse and inclusive? I mean, the the urgent one, the mandatory ones. Uh, you've you've already talked about um, uh, having supportive maids, one you know, uh, and and coaches and uh, more coaches and mentors and managers in a sense. Totally. Uh, do you think of any um, urgent uh, actions to take to be a, a more supportive, inclusive, and diverse in tech? Because it, it's totally lacking at the moment, right? Yeah, totally. I think there is so much work to be done in the hiring pipeline, but mm -hmm. I am so far from any kind of expert in that space. But I think that that's like where it starts is in the hiring pipeline, but also like just building a company that can support people from diverse backgrounds. So for example, when I went to go find my first, I was like looking for my first developer job and I needed something that was flexible because I had two small babies. I needed something preferably that was remote because I was still the one taking care of the babies. I needed like a culture that was supportive to like 
women into helping juniors grow because I don't have a computer science degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and to find all of those things in one place was really, really challenging. So I think that as a company, if you can do things like change your processes and the way that you work to be more inclusive of people who you know, need flexible schedules, especially during pandemic where all these moms are also now in charge of like caring for their kids all day. And yes, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, of course. So it's like as a company, if you can do things like just put processes in place, like, look, all of our employees might not be able to make it to this meeting. So we're going to make sure they're all recorded. We're going to make sure we're including those people in decisions if they can't make it to the meeting, because yeah. if they're a parent and they need to take care of the kids, it's not out, like it's completely out of their power to be at that meeting sometimes. And you need to like, not only be like emotionally supportive of that, like empathetic, but actually like tactically supportive of it by making sure that, you know, the processes are put in place to make that person part of your team. Because when you have these people on your team, despite that, you know, they have a different life schedule than you, you're yeah. able to like build more diversity and build better products that reach, um, you know, a wider range of people and just, yeah. So hiring both, yeah, to sum up, like hiring and a better context and environment built from the ground up into companies with uh, process, organization, management and stuff thought exactly to being supportive and inclusive, in fact. Right, exactly. Let's talk about um, this COVID-19 crisis for a bit because uh, it's global. You've been affected. We've been affected. How did did Zapier adapt to COVID-19 and... uh, uh, because it's a very big company, it's mm-hmm. uh, based. Uh, I, I think it's based mostly in San Francisco, right? And I'll, I'll, but also, and now you. Uh, so, was it was Zapier prior to COVID nineteen crisis already distributed and mm-hmm. remote team, or how did how did it work? I mean, uh, it, March yeah, March so, twenty twenty. How did when the pandemic just arrived? Oh how gosh. how did you how you, did you handle all this? March 2020, what a nightmare, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Zapier has always been fully distributed. So there was no like, no like office changes, no people being displaced by, you know, things shutting down and stuff. But we obviously were affected like everybody else, especially the parents at the company who now had to like take care of their kids yeah. full time and figure out what to do there. Um, and honestly, like one of Zapier has been a, an incredible company to work for. I am a huge evangelist. If anybody follows me on Twitter, you probably know that. Um, But the way that they handled the crisis was absolutely brilliant. If you like rewind back to March, 2020, do you remember on Twitter, it was like huge tech companies doing like massive layoffs, companies folding, like all these developers, like looking for work. It was mostly doomsday. Oh my gosh, it was horrifying, especially like as somebody who has kids, I was like, I can't lose my job. And I was panicking. And then I was thinking, what kind of job could I fall back on if I did lose my job? And I was like, none, because all the things like restaurants and shops and stuff are closed. (laughs) So I was like, there's nothing I can do. I can't lose my job. I'm terrified. Yeah, because we we heard about very big companies like Airbnb, very big company and like tens of thousands of layoffs. Oh it was, my God. It was horrible. It was a nightmare. And we we saw that from Europe and we were like Ugh. very freaked out that it's it's mm-hmm. coming now in Europe because it's always Ugh. coming later on. But And um, so Zapier just like switched to lockdown mode, like just at a, the push of a button, right? Yeah, they like did incredible. And they, they, it felt like they were prepared for something like this to happen. Which Maybe they, felt listen, very they listened to Bill Gates in 2015, you know. know. <laughs> right. So like, I was kind of checked out, like at the time, right, I had like all this new work on my plate, having to take care of the kids and stuff. So I was like, partially checked out of what was happening. Also terrified, also just like shutting down emotionally because like, doomsday, right. But Zapier, every single day put out a post that was like, fully transparent and raw and gave like the status of what was happening with our company. And not only that, but they They, like put out projections about like what we need to do to in two years have certain results. And we're just very open and transparent about it. And they like prepped management really well to be supportive of their employees, make sure everybody was taken care of. And you could feel that Zapier cared about their humans during that time. And that was incredible. It didn't feel like things were like, happening behind closed doors and it felt like they wanted to keep us in the loop and make 
make us feel safe. And I did. And I respect them so much for that because even when things didn't look great, I could pop in and feel like I know they're looking out for me. So yeah, yeah, you know, they they looked after you uh, during pandemic. So, I mean, we couldn't imagine something worse than any pandemic. So I'm I'm, no, we're we're done. 2020, (laughs) stop, stop, stop your shit, bless. But tell us a bit more about because I'm 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 calling you from France. Uh, we're in Europe, <laughs> and uh, mostly what we see from the US is uh, mm-hmm. Trump stories every day. I mean, yeah. So we're both crying, laughing, and being desperate <laughs> for you. Um, but we have no real information about the context from an insider like you about. Um, how economically and how the context uh, in the valley, so Silicon Valley right mm-hmm. now, is it bad, really bad, or like pretty bad, or is it maybe recovering in your sense, in your feeling? Yeah, I'm not really sure, to be fully honest with you. My whole time in tech has been kind of on the sidelines of Silicon Valley because I've been remote and a mom and very distracted. And I know that my experience is like very different than those who are, you know, going to work at Facebook yeah. and Market Street Apple and, and uh, whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so I've been very much on the sidelines. I see and hear all the same horror stories that you all see and feel quite embarrassed for us. But um, given that, like, I've been very much like immersed in the world of the remote tech companies that, you know, have emerged from the last five, 10 years. And the culture is so much better that it's like, it's hard for me to dip into what's happening in Silicon Valley. Cause I'm like, can we just put our blinders on and ignore anything that's happening over there? So I honestly don't, I really don't know a whole lot going on over there. Thanks. And, and talking about remote and distributed team, uh, because Zapier seems, uh, I mean, Twitter just like announced that that authorized uh, fully remote for lifetime, whatever. A lot of Mm -hmm. big, big startups are, are, Mm-hmm. telling the same um are you still physically meeting because as a ceo of a company i i can imagine um like 70 or 80 or 90 percent remote but we're still social animals you know we, yeah, we, we, we still need to meet in the flesh you know in mm-hmm. the street like uh sharing a coffee sharing a beer mm-hmm. or sharing a daiquiri as you like because i think you like cocktails uh mm-hmm. whatever but how do you do that? You, you meet sometimes, you organize some retreats. Or... Yes. Oh, my gosh. Zapier retreats are my whole lifeblood. And I'm so sad that they've put on, been put on pause because of this gosh dang pandemic that I hate so much. So for um, the time but, being, you're not, you're, you're fully yeah, remote, 100%. Fully remote. But yeah. we still, like, make time to do social Zoom meetings. So we have, like, you know, happy hours and stuff via Zoom. We'll have like lunch together via Zoom. And it's not the same. It's fully yeah, it's not the, same. Not the mean, same, you know, but it's like all we can do right now. We can just mm. cross our fingers and hope for vaccine and hope those retreats start up soon. But before this, we would have two retreats with the whole company every year. And then also a retreat with just like, you know, the support team or the engineering team. And those are so incredibly fulfilling for somebody like me who needs humans and is such a social creature and especially um, as your mom also you need to mm-hmm. like oh get God. back off your your kids oh you know, sometimes you're just like i'm tell fed me up. about just, it yeah yeah i know it's that. like i'm like i'm going on a week of like work but it is a full vacation when you're a parent <laughs> you're like this is great I'll work a hundred times as hard as i usually work if it means i get to sleep through the night by myself it's gonna be so good but yeah, I love those retreats. I will love it when they return. And for now, yeah. I will keep hosting virtual parties. So like me and my pal, Nick, who's also an engineering manager, we're yeah. having a party tomorrow where we're like, since time is not a thing anymore, can we just pretend that it's fall because fall is the best? So tomorrow we're having like a autumn in August party where we're going to like, you know, bring pumpkin things and drink you know, warm seasonal drinks and just pretend that it's fall because why not? Yeah. But doing yeah. fun stuff like that has been uplifting during the pandemic. 
But it's difficult. I mean, it's difficult for any size of company to deal with this pandemic in terms of orgs, management, uh, process, etc., etc. Um, I have a special question for, I know a lot of our listeners are also French software engineers or even in Europe, and you cannot imagine the numbers of software engineers based in Europe. Their whole grad or dream is moving and crossing the pond and moving to the Silicon Valley or New York or oh, being a really? software engineer or whatever. And what are the pros of being a software engineer in the Valley or in the US? And and would you would you eventually do that if you would add you know in their in their own boots, you know? Yeah, I think that it's so funny because for so many of the people that I know here, they're like, Do you want to move as oh, well? I, yeah, I can't wait to move to Portugal. I can't get to Spain or something. It's the opposite. The green is, yeah, always, like, is always greener elsewhere. That's right. The grass is always yeah. greener. Yeah, the but grass is always I greener. don't know that, especially now, since so many companies are like just committing to be fully remote, I don't know that there is any benefit to being in Silicon Valley because it is so expensive to live. I heard in that uh, California, uh, large. Yeah, they're they're living they're living expensive city to just like go in the countryside and just like. Yeah, it's like intensely expensive. So, me personally, I don't know if I would recommend it unless there's a very specific company that you want to work for that doesn't have remote opportunities but yeah. also i will admit and again if anybody follows me on twitter you know that california is my whole heart i love california so much are I you live... are you a california native no, no you're I from illinois the Midwest. yep that's right pierre yeah, I, I did illinois. my own work i did my own work <laughs> i told you <laughs> i am i'm a midwesterner and was born and raised there uh whenever i graduated college i moved to texas so i experienced a lot of life in the middle of the country, then the South, and now I'm in California. And having seen all of those places and experienced the cultures there, California has just shocked me by how amazing it is and how amazing the people are. And they just really align with my values. And um, if I'm in America, I would probably say that I don't know if I will ever live outside of California because it has just been such a dream. And I feel so comfortable in my own skin here, like being who I want to be and fighting for the things that I want to fight for. Whereas when I go back home to the Midwest now, I feel very out of place. Like <laughs> my values do not align with yeah. the things that they value and just feels gross. So you feel a stranger in your, in your, in your place of birth. Exactly. And yes. I, but there are differences between Sacramento and San Francisco oh, sure. state of mind, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. So much, yeah. Since yeah. It, it's, totally it, it's, it's very close. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a couple of miles away, but it's just it's. It's, it's very like different. if I got on a when I was taking the Amtrak down there, it would be like an hour and a half or so mm. on the train. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very different. Like you go to San Francisco, and I love San Francisco, but it's like very busy and everybody's in a hurry, and it's like business, 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 and it's like it's it's darker and it's colder and it's like. It's just a whole vibe. It's also very like wacky and weird, which is fun. But you come over to like go down into the valley. It's dry. It's sunny all the time. Life is a lot slower. People, I feel like, and probably like other Californians are like, oh, sick, got out of here. But I feel <laughs> like people are like friendlier over here because it's just like a sleepy small town with like big city amenities. So yeah. It's like very much like farm to fork is very important in Sacramento. Um, and just like having a good like neighborhood culture. So I love Sacramento specifically. California is so big that it's like, you yeah. know, you could find all kinds of different Yeah, cultures. from Los Angeles to San Francisco mm -hmm. to Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's let's go back to um, uh, maybe some more techy, you know, sure. chit chat. Um, sure, sure. As a software engineer, I would like to to know maybe if you can recall what we, what what your greatest uh, achievements so far what what are the things that you're the most proud of that is such a good question i think that and it like it involves tech but it's a little removed but co the collab lab is by far my greatest achievement we've helped 44 okay. people go through the program so far that's something um, you're really proud of to oh have been gosh. able to help i'm these so people. proud of it and as much as like I can help people by 
you know, mentoring them in Collab Lab and teaching them things, they help me just as much because it's like, you know, they're like, learn or teaching is the best way to learn. So when it was finally like, I had, when we first started Collab Lab, I had all these other like really technical um, mentors to lean on and would kind of just let these guys do the technical part. And I do like the organizational part. Well, there came a time where they weren't there to back me up anymore. And of course, they're always like, they always have my back from afar. But it was like, I was the one in charge of being the technical lead for a cohort. And it was terrifying. But I learned so much through it because like, you don't want to tell somebody how to do something if you don't actually know how. So it forced yeah. me to like, get more technical and learn more. Master, and your, really like, master your, yeah, own, your own house. I've loved to be like, to, yeah. leaning into that lately and just becoming more technical through mentorship. But the program, building that whole program and trying to like, now that I'm in tech, now that I'm a developer, my like biggest goal is to just bust down the doors for more people like me, more diverse engineers. So that's my greatest achievement so far. It's going to be amazing. 2021 is going to be huge. And we're going to keep doing the thing to help support early career engineers. And what languages uh, or frameworks um, do you prefer... Uh, I saw you, you've played with a lot of languages and frameworks. I also yeah. saw all your side projects. I saw your GitHub tracks. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I probably kind of very stalk you prior to this podcast. <laughs> um, do you prefer something? Uh, uh, I mean, I mean wh- which one or um, maybe the latest one you want to give it a try to? Is it something that, you know, excites you in terms of tech? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I like, I'm a huge fan of React. And I think it's because it's what I work in. Like, I think that if I tried something else, I would just be a huge fan of it. I'm just a huge fan of things. And so like, whatever I'm kind of like, buried in at the time is what is what I'm into. And right now it's React. Like before that, it was Ruby. And I was like a diehard Ruby fan, because it's easy to read. It's easy to work with. It makes sense. It's clean and simple. And then when right. I first got Ruby on Rails. Yeah, yeah, Ruby yeah. on Rails. And so when I got into like doing React, I was like, why is this so complex? Why are there so many semicolons everywhere? Why are like there's so much to it? But now that that's all that I've been doing, that's like my lifeblood at the time. So there'll come a time when I'll try some new things, I'm sure. But right now it's a lot of Next.js and GraphQL and React in yeah. my life. I mean, it's it's uh, it's evolving very fast. There is a new mm-hmm. framework. I mean, I heard that there are three new frameworks since we've started this podcast thirty minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like crazy pace of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's very difficult to keep with it with this pace. Yeah, uh, totally. Especially it's like, what wor- do you put? I mean, you're you're a working mom, so you have also oh, kind of, of course, obviously two two jobs. Um, mm-hmm. How do you keep keep on being in this space? Uh, do you do adapt your stuff like um, technology reviews? Like uh, we're gonna try some stuff like uh, proof of concept or minimum mm-hmm. viable product approach, and um, mm-hmm. trying to do some lean stuff or maybe give some time to try to play with some frameworks, whatever. How do you do that? Totally. Yes. To so progress? like. Zapier very much has a culture of like experimentation and trying new things. And they're very, they, I should say we, I'm one of them too. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we are very supportive of like going and learning new things. Like right now, me and a handful of other people are doing this like learning and public initiative where we just pick a topic. Like the one I'm doing is SVG animations and we just learn about it. And it's like, we have things like that where like you're very much encouraged to learn, you know, there's budgets in place for you to go learn and take time to learn. And your manager will encourage you to set goals and help you see them through where you're learning new things. And they might be things that don't even involve, like aren't even involved in your regular job. And not only is there like that support. Oh, and this time is, this time is, is in, into your, it's, it's, uh, yes. it's forecasted into the roadmap. Mm-hmm. You have time to, let's like try new stuff. Exactly. Like you don't need to go learn in your free time, like learning is part of your job. And then we have like engineering weeks too, where you're encouraged to like put your regular work on hold for a week and go experiment with something new, go try and learn something new, try and like, you know, refactor a piece of whatever you're working on or build a new tool that's going to help the whole company be more productive. 
Um, and just like explore new things, try out new technologies. And at the end of engineering week, sometimes what people built just gets scrapped and that's totally fine. Like spend a whole week building this and you learned a lot and now you just get rid of it. It's a really good culture. Um, oh, so good. Yeah, really good culture. Do, do, have you heard of any, <clears throat> sorry, have you heard of any other companies uh, uh, in which the culture is so cool, like Vapier, stuff like that? Yeah, I think that there's like a handful of companies that have like really amazing cultures. The one that like stands out in my head and only because when I was getting a job at Zapier, I was also interviewing with this other company, but Buffer is like a social media management tool and yeah. they too have like a fully distributed team um, that share a lot of the same values that Zapier. Yeah, and they, I heard the, um, uh, Joel Gascoigne, I think, mm -hmm. the, the founder, Mm -hmm. was very much into a uh, transparent process, like full transparency on everything. Like, yeah. Uh, there was no trade-off, whatever, the salary, uh, every, everything was transparent into the company. And, and some companies like that are kind of pioneers, um, you know, mm -hmm. trying new stuff. So Buffer is one of these. I was thinking also maybe about if you were a fan of uh, Ribbon Race, you're probably also a kind of a... Um, you know, DHH and Jason, Jason Fried, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, yeah. they come, base camp and their, their company is also trying. Uh, they've, they've wrote, uh, we work remote. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be crazy like that. Some books and about like remote distributed company, distributed teams. It doesn't have to be crazy like totally. 60 hours a week right. of work. And so I think there is a current of, there is a trend of companies uh, which are, re-evaluating um, mm -hmm. the way we work and the way work should be to be able for people to be able to you know fulfill blossom right. into these jobs totally know? i love too that there are so many like thought leaders out there sharing these ideas about how to work remote and like explicitly stating how they do everything in you know different books and documentation so the other companies that are now going remote can do it right because like my biggest fear when all these companies started going remote was that they were going to totally like botch it and have like yeah. awful toxic cultures so i'm like of course right of please course. put I mean, out this uh, documentation yeah. so that people can follow it yeah i mean going remote i mean uh here in france for instance uh it's totally different from in the us on totally different from zapier we have some clients here in france and for most of them, it was kind of easy to go remote. But what we've, what I've witnessed so far, that uh, as soon as the lockdown was off and people were, you know, getting out and etc., so that the old habits just came back and just mm. like people came back to the office and just like, yeah. I'm just a witness of something which is very weird because in a sense people were working maybe 120 percent of. Yeah, you know when they're mm -hmm. in lockdown, working from home can be you know can you it can be very hard also to have a work life balance uh, be, when sure. you're remote working, working from home, etc. So they did a pretty great job during the lockdown, and then the managers and the the, the executive and the the top of the company just saying like, oh come back to the office and just I think I just I tell myself it's just like kind of weird, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and going remote and totally distributed is uh, is not something you just do um, just like that, you know, just like... Oh, yeah, uh, it's got to be intentional and thoughtful. And you have process and you have to, you know, try it prior to expand it to different teams, departments, and then go totally remote. It's really interesting uh, to chat it with. Um, I'm going to ask you a last question that I really like to ask to... Um, okay. Um, all my speakers and all my friends is like um, should the should the, the the Stacy of today should you come back to the Stacy of uh, the Stacy of uh, like 10, 10 years ago uh, what would be your little advice what what would you what would you tell her you know to know to what would be your first advice you know? oh my gosh. Pierre, that is a deep question. <laughs> We've entered the psychological area of the, of the podcast, right? <laughs> um, ooh, I think that... Be, be oh, man. 
something around, probably something around like, don't let other people decide what you want to do. Like, I wish throughout my time, and I feel like this is probably a thing with a lot of women, you just kind of like go with the flow and you let people push you in the directions that they think you should go. Um, And that might not be what you want to do. And there were so many times throughout my life where I did things that I didn't necessarily want to do, but because it was kind of like bred into my mind that that's what I should be doing like as a woman. The society bias, Mm -hmm. both what you are supposed to do as a woman and also maybe also males or or managers or or just work, Mm -hmm. just like go into that path. And maybe you you would tell her, just do as you want, do as you you like. Yeah, there are other options out there. You like, I feel like for me, I got into this mindset, like I'd get into a safe, comfy space and think like, this is it. This is like as good as it's going to get. And because I wasn't out there finding other like companies like Zapier, for example, I didn't realize how good it could be until I got out. And so it's like, if I could go back and be like, look, there are other things out there that can support you. You just have to look hard and you have to find them and do them. I think I would be, I think I would have made, been more successful than I even am now quicker um, by putting myself first like that. And things oh, like- you would have lost less time. Exactly, maybe, exactly. You know, thinking and, and thinking, what would I do? What would I do? Exactly. And like things like when my kids were really little, like I took care of them full time and I worked full time and I did boot camps. And I did, you know, like side hustles, like freelancing stuff. And I worked really, really hard. And I like worked myself into the ground where it like, you know, was like damaging to some of my relationships and stuff. And if I hadn't had it in my head that like, oh, you're a mom now, so you have to take care of your kids and you also have to do all these other things. If I would have said like, no, look, like childcare exists for a reason, like get some help with childcare or part-time jobs exist out there. Go get a part-time job instead of several full-time things. Um, But because it was bred into my head that like, no, these are your kids, like your responsibility to like, you know, do it all, like work and take care of them. And it was just like kind of damaging. So like, but I get it. I get it to all the moms out there listening that like, you want to do that. You want to be able to have it all. And it can be a really tough decision to make. It's important also maybe to have, uh, I thank you for this um, honest, it was a very personal question. So thank you for for this answer. But is it important also maybe to have a a companion, um, your partnership in life? uh, who could be supportive of all this? Yeah, maybe. totally. Like throughout that whole process, like whenever my kids were really young, my like ex-husband, who is one of my absolute best friends still, and is still a very supportive, like co-parent with me, was very supportive in, you know, like being there financially and stuff. But because his job wasn't remote, he had to be in the office all day, which meant like it was just me at home with the kids all the time. And having a partner there too, that was supportive and being like, we'll do what we need to like get by was amazing. But um, like turning it back on myself, like I really needed to convince myself no matter what, you know, he were to say that like, it's okay. It's okay. You, you can do that. You, you yourself, you tell yourself, I can do that. Totally. Cause like, even if he would have said like, don't do so much, you know, I had everybody telling me that like do less. And I'm like, no, I can't. Like, I surely can't do that. That doesn't seem parents, great. family, <laughs> all that friends. Yeah. 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 And looking back now, I'm like, Oh, I should have like listened to them. I probably should have taken care of myself first so that, you know, I could have like good relationships with everybody, including myself. And what about, um, what about burnout? What about this, you know, this it's, it's like work. I mean, the, the lockdown mm-hmm. period was probably, <sighs> I mean, we've seen a lot of mental health, health mm-hmm. issues since um the pandemic the lockdown remote oh. work etc etc how do um, how do you manage to have you felt yourself in a situation with where you could easily probably fell into that burnout like being mm-hmm. burnout for sure and it was like unfortunately it was never with work really work throughout this whole pandemic has been quite a release for me it has been like the shining light because it's just like I love my kids endlessly and they're amazing, but it is a lot yeah. to take care of a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Very demanding. Very exhausting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So getting into work is actually like quite a, a relief for me. And it was getting to the point too where like 
I wasn't giving as much effort as I would have liked to have been with work and with Collab Lab and with all these other things in my life, these side projects. Like being, you felt overwhelmed by everything. Yeah. And like, you just kind of don't know where to start. And so I've never been one to take vacations ever in my life. And I took a two week vacation and I came back feeling so recharged. So I encourage you all, especially if you're an American like me who never takes vacation to go take a vacation because you can come back so refreshed and like ready to like hit the ground running and be so much more productive. So um, I think, you know, I was just on this vacation like a week ago or two weeks ago now. And just coming back from it, I was like, I can organize a to-do list and I can like commit to things again. And it was like so revitalizing. So go take a vacation if you're listening to this. That's Probably cool. the French people are like, yeah, yeah, we do. What are you talking about? Yeah, we do that. Actually, we do that. We have five weeks. Based Americans vacation. are so yeah. bad yeah. at taking vacation. And like at Zapier, we have unlimited PTO. But what it's still like, about yeah, again. But, yeah, what do you think about that? You know, you know, you know, I mean, you have to work. We know that it's polemic, <laughs> you know, this uh, right. unlimited vacation policy. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that like at a place like Zapier, it's really great because they encourage it. Like last year, my manager forced me to take time off. They were like, you have to go take time off. Like right now, if you don't pick time to take off, I will pick it for you and you will take time off. And they're like very good at like encouraging you. And like leadership like sets a really good example by taking their own time off. And like it's Zapier is a really great culture for like you can take time off and you don't have to like come back and worry about what's going on while you're gone. You just take time off. But I've been at other companies with unlimited PTO where it was very much like leave your Slack notifications on because we might need you when you're gone. And it's like you're still working like throughout the whole thing. And you 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 don't really disconnect. No, not at all. And you never get recharged. And that's when burnout happens. And so if you're going to have unlimited PTO, like you need to, you know, uphold it and set a good example from a leadership perspective that this is something that's encouraged and it's not just like words. You know, it's not just them saying you get unlimited time off. Like marketing bullshit. I thank you very much. Uh, first, I thank our listeners for listening Refactor yes, podcast. But I want I want to thank you very much, Stacy, for this nice moment with you. It was such a great pleasure to have you on Refactor. Um, for our listeners, I'm Pierre Vanier. I'm CEO of Flynn Company, which is a tech consulting company based in France. And we have also, uh, uh, you know, a kind of program we've just launched, mm-hmm. Flint Academy, which is kind of... Yes. Uh, yeah, we have we we have the we share some values with Collab Lab, mm-hmm. so it's really clear that we, we we chat again. It's a new remote program bootcamp, so launching internationally. So stay tuned. Thank you very much, Stacy, for this great time with Thanks, you. Thanks, Pierre. It was so good chatting with you, like with your voice. We spent so much time just like messaging each other that this was brilliant and so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm sorry for my bad French accent. Oh my god, but we have great amazing. cheese, by the way. <laughs> We have great cheese and great wine, and you know that. Pierre, your whole life is like a dream. Like anybody who's listening should know that I am so incredibly envious of life in the south of France. Pierre is like sending me. But like, you're you're going you're you're going to come in 2021. I'm That's going what you, to come. You, you you told me. I will me. absolutely yeah, be there. <laughs> okay, I invite you. Thank you very much, Stacey. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you.